0: Our Notre Dame home game Saturday continues with
1: WSBT Game Day. Live from Ivy Court Inn and Suites, here is your host, Evan
2: Sharpley. And here we go. It's week number two. Notre Dame marches on in the 2017 season following a 49-16 win over Temple a week ago. The Irish take on the Georgia Bulldogs in a marquee matchup under the lights in Notre Dame Stadium. Brian Kelly and the Irish are looking for a signature win and tonight could provide the backdrop for which may be a true barometer of how the 2017 season will go. For the next hour, I'm Evan Sharpley and I'm your host along with producer State Farm agent Tim Growl. If this is your first time tuning in, this show is about setting the atmosphere, kind of giving you a feel for the game day experience, talking with former Irish players and discussing some X's and O's. Today, we have a national champion, a few members of ERA's 1971 team and a pro bowler. If you're in the air, we'd love for you to stop by Ivy Court Inn and Suites for some live music and barbecue from Fisher's Tips and Chips. Tim, it's great to see you again. The Irish are one zero, looking for a second victory tonight. Big matchup. Big matchup, and it is charged out of here. Painting the picture for everybody out here. There's tailgating
3: out here and parties going that have never I've seen here in eight, <laughs> all the years I've been well, doing this right out here. Thirty thousand Georgia Bulldog fans. Uh, are in I know, town. I know. They even brought a band in for us that we Man. just had to. Nicely, they cooperated. They're not going to start the music until nice. after they we get off the air. They herd. dedicated
2: the last song to you, huh?
3: They did. They did. They did. So, picture perfect, just like it was last week. We got another one. I know Brian Kelly in big games doesn't have the best of records, but it is good when he's at home facing a higher-ranked team. So, we'll talk more and more later yeah. on with everybody and stuff, but give me a quick synopsis. Well,
2: I, I'm still – the verdict's still out for me. I'm, I'm in that boat right now of I heard you wait, yesterday. wait and see, right? Yeah. I'm catching a little bit of flack for that, but that's okay. If, if, if I have to eat my words, I'll eat them. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, I, you know, I, this is, It's a winnable game for Notre Dame. This, this I think, is going to be a great game. It's under the lights, 7.30 kickoff, uh, newly renovated Notre Dame Stadium. I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to see how this Notre Dame offense matches up with this Georgia front seven and vice versa, too. If Notre Dame's able to control the line of scrimmage on the dirt, their defensive line um, and stop Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle, two really good running backs the Georgia Bulldogs have, I think the Irish have a great chance. I think it's going to be a close game. Could come down to a field goal.
3: You know, and you hear that all the time about it's one in the trenches, but this truly is a game that is in the trenches, isn't it? I'm
2: excited. I'm just, you know, I'm going to kind of, I'm I'm going to circle or I guess put in a box that that front seven for the first couple drives and just see, all right, what's going on there? This is
3: old style era football too, you know, right? You know, put them on, clinch it up, get in there. last
2: week is any indication of what Notre Dame wants to do as far as trying to set the tone at the lineup of scrimmage and run the football. You know, 400 plus yards rushing. Three guys that went over 100 yards. Um, same with Georgia, though. Though, I mean, right. uh, they had two guys that had 15 or 16 carries, almost 100 yards against Appalachian State last week. Uh, they're going to try to set the tone. They have a freshman quarterback starting, so certainly they're going to want to try to take some pressure off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know, I think early on you're going to see some of that smash mouth football. So when you have a, somebody
3: that's only played part of the game, like
2: last week, whatever. So
3: and you don't have a lot of film on them. Is that an advantage or disadvantage?
2: I don't. Th- I don't really think it goes either way. You play your game. You're gonna. Yeah, you're gonna do what you do and can control what you can. Um, you know, as a freshman quarterback, usually your playbook can be limited a little bit. So, um, if 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 I'm if I'm the Georgia Bulldogs, if I'm Kirby Smart, I'm gonna have a lot of three-step drops in for this freshman quarterback. Get the ball out of his hands. But again, it's gonna start with can they run the football? If if Georgia if Georgia can run the football, if Georgia can run the football, um, I think that's gonna take a lot of pressure off of Jake Frome and at least put him in an opportunity to, to make some plays. I don't think that they want him throwing the ball twenty five to thirty times in a game. Hey real quick,
3: Lieutenant, why don't you pick that up real quick?
2: Lieutenant Iser from the South Bend Police
3: Department has uh, been nice enough to help us bring one of our guests over again. What's going on out there with traffic and everything
4: today? Uh, so far, everything looks pretty good. We don't have any congestion or backups in any major areas. A lot of people came out early today to enjoy the weather and enjoy the atmosphere, so hopefully that's going to make things... They're preparing for the game, Yeah, huh? yeah. hopefully it's going to make things a little bit smoother, and I can't promise you that outbound. I think there's a lot of people here with some ugly red shirts that want to go back to <laughs> Chicago. And hopefully they're going to go back with red faces.
3: I'm with you. We like. We like this guy or whatever. We appreciate you. Thanks for helping us out again. I know you got a busy day going out. Oh, you're then. welcome.
4: I hope everybody has a good time today and be
3: careful. We'll be safe. Thank All right. You. Thanks a lot. And this is live radio, too. So... Evan, haven't talked a few minutes. We're, our first couple guests didn't show up, and I'm going to bring some the second oh, and third right. guests up. Okay, let's bring,
2: yeah, let's bring them up here. Well, uh, we got a beautiful day out here today. Um, if you're in the area again, we said it already. We're live here at Ivy Court Inn and Suites, across from Linebacker Bar. We've got Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue. Free barbecue to the first 150 people that come out here. We've got people testing it out already. Some great barbecue sauce. There's usually some wings. We've got some pulled pork. I know this week um, a great a great time just across from us here um, on the grass here at Ivy Court in the suites. So there's a big tailgate going on. Uh, Tim and I are on the front porch. We got a lot of people stopping by. Uh, former players, some great stories, and uh, we'll continue our tribute that we're going to have throughout this entire year. That's very special too. So that's right. We've we've got uh, three guests, uh, all from the the 1971 team, with Eric uh, Parsegian to talk about to talk about coach and. Uh, a couple of great stories uh we've got one of my good friends who i've uh i've traveled with a few times uh, over to italy once and then germany and the czech republic two years ago uh bill gallagher bill why don't you uh why don't you start off how you doing today i'm doing real well how about yourself you guys look like you're having a good time <laughs> well we we appreciate you guys uh stopping by um and, and talking with us uh we also have jack clorty and, and walt patolsky here as well um, just to talk uh, about their experiences of Coach Parcegan and Bill, if you could start with, you know, what, what we what we want to do is, is honor him, honor his legacy, um, and and usually when we've we've had these conversations, what we've said is, you know, what's what's been one one story. For you specifically, that kind of encapsulates the type of man or the type of coach that he was. Do we have an hour? <laughs> That's
3: um, all we have we heard Bill. that before. Okay. Here,
5: here, here's the first thing that you know. I've had uh, I've been coaching in the East Coast for uh, 40 years in the Philadelphia area. Uh, been pretty successful because of the players that we've had, of course. Uh, but one of the things that I remember specifically was a a uh, poster uh, put up in the locker room that said, "There's no such thing as football coaches." only people coaches and and i took that philosophy and with me from from and uh and worked it all through my private school career uh where i was also you know a teacher and and in the classroom took the same thing and uh just took it on it not just to work on x and o's but to work with the kids to get to know the kids personally you know to know their family what their background is and things and i think that way it's easier to motivate the kid to uh, to get him to play the best that he can. So that alone was was a big thing for me besides doing everything else that we did in practice pretty much. You know, from the cheers on uh, Fridays after the games, I mean before practices and before the games, we, we, we did cheers afterwards and uh, X and O, Y, schematically, you know, things like that. Uh, I took a lot from from uh, from Error that way.
3: Hey, Walt. Um, continuing that same same vein, of th- thought is how about a thing that he gave you for football, and the thing that he gave you that carried on in the rest of your life? Because Errol was that kind of person. You just didn't learn something for the three or four
4: years you're with him. It's something you took for your whole life. Well, uh, one of the stories that. Uh, has burned into my head is when we had the um, opportunity to go to the, the Gator Bowl in my senior year, and uh, Era was, I um, mean, such he was such a leader that he uh, he actually offered the players the option of whether we wanted to go, and uh, I was uh, co-captain with Tom Gatewood, and the two of us uh, had to hold the election, so we had a vote. And we counted the votes, and uh, the players um, had voted down the whether we were going go to go to the bowl game. And so um, I drew straws with Tom, and I <laughs> and I said, "Who's going to tell him? You or me?"
2: <laughs>
4: so I um, did. You? I got that the that? I got the draw. I got the short straw, <laughs> and I said, "Coach, uh, players don't want to go." And he said, um, "Vote again."
3: <laughs>
4: this isn't a democracy, right?
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, so, so we went back, and uh, you know, we gave him a, we gave him our best rallying cry that this is one in a, one time in a lifetime we're going to go to this game, and uh, they voted it down again. Oh. And I said, "All right, I've done my duty now, Tom. It's your chance." <laughs> but he. Uh, He honored the wishes. I I, I think the background for it was that we were so disappointed. We were picked to be number one that year. And we, uh, you know, by our standards, we had a disappointing year. I think we lost two games or whatever. And we weren't going to what we thought was a major ball. And so, Aro said that he's not, you know, he's not taking a team that's not fully committed to go down. Makes sense. And, uh, And that's the kind of leader that he was.
2: Well, we're live from Ivy Corden and in Suites. This is WSBT's Game Day Show with Evan Sharpley and Tim Grau. We're joined by members of Notre Dame's 1971 team, Walt Patolsky, Bill Gallagher, and Jack Clurdy. Uh, Jack, you, kind of your, your perspective then uh, from that same situation, um, deciding not to go, um, and then, um, you know, how, how Coach kind of handled that. What was, uh, what was your perspective on that entire situation?
1: Well, you know... I was surprised that that he offered us the opportunity to to really vote on it. Notre Dame was new to bowls. Mm -hmm. We went to the previous two Cotton Bowls and had highly successful experiences, barely losing to Texas one year and then beating them, taking the national championship away. And as Walt said, we had great expectations coming into the year. Fell a little bit short. And, uh, you know, there was a feeling on the team of, you know, kind of a little bit despair, underachieving, et cetera. So the fact that a guy that is, was an iconic football coach at the time that brought Notre Dame back to relevance, the 1966 championship team, that he would let a bunch of 18- to 21-year-old kids, <laughs> you know, I mean, and we were all in different places, have a thought. It, it was something that taught me later on to listen to people and, you know, get the, get the team's perspective. Sometimes it's not just what you want. But it's what, what the university wanted. And so, you know, I think all of us have the world of respect for him, not just the X's and O's, but the caliber of individual he was from a leadership and
2: personal characteristic point of view. Jack, I'm interested. You mentioned the two losses and the expectations kind of going into the season. How were those losses handled, you know, post-loss? What was the approach then following those losses as well from him? Well, you know, I, I think there was maybe a day of,
1: of disappointment, and, you know, I, I think he knew, he, he, he always said to us, y- you know, you're a great Notre Dame athlete, you have no breaking point, point." and the fact that we, we didn't play to a couple expectations, we lost a really good team, Southern Cal, and uh, LSU with Burt Jones, so, uh, you know, tough losses. But, you know, he was great at getting your back corrected and thinking about the next game mm-hmm. and what didn't you do in this game that you've got to improve on, brush up on. So, you know, I, I thought he was kind of the consummate leader, and his staff was the same way, you know.
3: This is WSBT's game day from the Ivy Court Inn as we continue with memories of Eric precision. So we've heard of the tower and the voice of God that could sometimes come down. <laughs> what I want to know from each one of you, was your name ever called out from the tower?
5: <laughs> my my name was a little different. It was like what do uh, what do, call, what do you call you? No, Bill? it's like Jesus Christ Gallagher. <know? laughs> <You know? laughs> it's <laughs> Bill, Coach. No, it's like, you
4: know. <laughs> no, I um I was very fortunate. I had Coach Janto, and uh, he protected me. Um, and Fred Spencer was our other end. So. Uh, I was the good cop and, and Fred was the bad cop and coach would always it was always Fred's fault no matter what happened <laughs> and it was just the way it was so I, I was able to stay out of uh, any uh, line of fire with coach and Jack?
1: well, the, the only thing I can think of was one time my senior year where I got into a bit of a skirmish with a, a very large very powerful offensive tackle where he flinched and I came in harder than I should have and uh, there was a skirmish there and I was very much like Muhammad Ali in terms of circling
5: and, uh,
1: and, and Eric got right up on me, and I was totally to blame for the, for hurting potentially hurting his 285 pound tackle. Oh but, my uh, goodness! And he stared me down big time in, in training table that next night, and I was like,
2: got it. <laughs> we had a, we had a couple of other former players on on last week, and and we asked them, you know. Your experience when you heard Coach Parcegan pass it was kind of almost the feeling of you never thought he would be gone. Um, what was what was Bill? What was kind of the the last the last time you had talked to Coach? What was that experience like? Uh, there was a reunion uh, a couple years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that, that we came in and
5: uh, had a chance to talk to him there, um, you know, a little bit. And uh, the the thing about the the death was that. Uh, you know, our manager, managerial staff, the football guys, that from our years, did such a great job of keeping us together and up to date over all these years that we were constantly getting updates on on uh, coaches' uh, condition. So, uh, leading up to it and everything, and then finally hearing, you know, of his passing, certainly, you know, was a uh, you know a, a devastation kind of thing as far as my football. Uh, career was, or or my football, you know, coaching and and having played for him and things and using all of his uh, schematic offense, defense, uh, just his approach to the game with the kids, uh, just, you know, just kind of pause and reminisce about all that stuff, you know, and how fortunate I was I mean, I got, I got, there's no doubt in my mind, I got coaching positions because I played at Notre Dame. And I got coaching positions because I played for Coach Parseja. So, and his passing, you know, just brought back memories of, of all the stuff that we went through for that.
4: Well, what about you? Uh, one of the things that I remember that really stands out in my mind at that reunion, uh, we had a, a dinner and Eric got up and he was just as sharp as anything. Yep. He was just amazing and he explained how uh, he had put in the mirror defense so that we'd beat uh, Texas in the cotton Bowl. And one of the players was obviously not (laughs) listening or he asked him a question. And uh, Eric screws his face up and he goes, "Um, didn't I just say that? (laughs) So he he just never lost his um, uh, mental acuity. And um, as you know, even though physically he was starting to lose a lot of different things, but he was just as sharp, remembering everybody, and just uh, just totally with it. And just a tremendous human being. Jack, what about you?
2: Yeah, we were we were
1: all at that same dinner reunion. The thing that I was impressed with, I got in line with thirty guys to say hello to Coach. He's ninety years old. To Walt's Point, sharp as attack. And but didn't expect him as he coached probably a thousand players to kind of remember me. You know, I was I was a, kind of a special teams hack up linebacker and walked up to him and I said, coach, great to see you Jack Lurdy and he looks up and he goes, Pittsburgh Kickoff team. I go, <laughs> I go, yeah, which was good, you because know, yeah, yeah. that's what it was. And, and I thought I got a great picture with him, and and uh, I use it as my Facebook picture, and you know, and I try to take a lot of what he did during our time here and use it, applied it to my business career, you know, like the no breaking point right. is that you know you've got to continue to excel every year. He, he brought a lot, no doubt.
3: Before we let you guys go, can we get you uh, like a twenty second thought on this game?
4: Well, I like the Irish by three.
3: That was, uh, you didn't use your whole 20 seconds. You want to belly
4: shot that <laughs> can, a little bit? You can, can stretch it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think Georgia is uh, at a level equal to where Notre Dame is in terms of their development. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, I think it's going to be an excellent football game, but I like the Irish. I like the Irish also, but uh, I
5: really think it's going to come down to the first quarter. If they're if uh, Georgia jumps out ahead of us and they're able to just continue to run the ball and run the clock, that's going to be tough on us. But at the uh, at the same time, if we jump out and we we get up 10 nothing, 14 nothing, then there goes their run game, you know, to an extent, certainly. And uh, I, I understand their freshman quarterbacks very talented. Uh, but he's still a freshman playing his first game so if we can get him to be the guy that has to bring them back we'll be a lot better off Check. yeah well i need us to win by more than five points
3: so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right <laughs> um, we won't ask why <laughs> no, 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 just kidding but, uh, yeah i'm waiting biggest thing i'm waiting for today is for our defense to really step up i've got confidence in our offense and the skilled players and Against Temple, I saw some improvements in defense, but I thought I saw some things that they were still trying to learn through. So I'm hoping they really stiffen up. And, and to Bill's point, Walt's put the pressure on the quarterback to, to make plays.
2: Well, Jack, Bill, Walt, we appreciate you guys uh, taking some time and telling some great stories. Enjoy the beautiful weather today, and uh, hopefully we see an Irish victory. That's yeah, great, Thanks the for the having us. Thank you, guys. This is right. WSBT's
3: game day, live from the porch of the Ivy Court Inn and Suites. To get your reservations for your out-of-town guests or to book your own getaway, call Ivy Court at 277-6500. We'll be right back with more football talk on Michiana Sports Leader 961 FM WSB. Joe Zeisman. Ever the Scrambler.
4: Picks up a first down. Now a play action pass. Seseman to Tom Gatewood. running a cross pattern. Something Texas will see much more of very shortly. Welcome back
2: to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, alongside State Farm agent Tim Growl, on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT. Tim, always great to hear these stories of Coach Parsegian, huh? Oh,
3: yeah. yeah.
2: We'll never get enough
3: of them. I know we're going to do, you know what, we got 10 more games to do, we but do. we'll never hear enough of them, and we hear something little different every time, but there's always still that there's, same yeah, connection. Some, yeah, there's some consistency.
2: You know, we talk a lot about the leaderships. And what I really liked here last week were the, the three E's. Mm-hmm. Um, that, w- that was great as far as trying to achieve that excellence. Um, you know, today, um, just kind of the people side of it, I'm sure really, you know, connected. And Bill, I've had the pleasure um, with uh, Patrick Steenberg. We work with global football and we travel abroad every year, Um, linked up with them three years ago and went to Italy. And then uh, two years ago, we went to Germany and Czech Republic. Uh, They were in China last year. But, you know, you can really tell when Bill's working with the players um, and over his coaching career, too, in the Pennsylvania area that. It's it's about those relationships, and that's and that's what you know. That's something that I really took to heart when I started working with those guys. Was hey, we're, we've got this great experience, on. Yes, it's about football. Certainly, you right. want to win. Um, but, you know, if, if somebody remembers your name 20 or 30 yes. years, I mean, that's huge. Well, right? and we
3: talked about last week how huh? he was so sharp a few years ago when we talked. Yeah, still was... remembering plays and officials' names and everything from 47 years ago and stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking forward every week uh, continuing to do that. So we'll keep efforting to make sure we got some guests to do that. But our next guest has been nice, and I don't think it's been a couple years since he's been on before, former Notre Dame running back and NFL pro bowler Greg Bell. And it was just came from a signing over at the bookstore. Hey, Greg, you just won an award
2: last night, didn't you? Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Actually,
3: uh,
6: bookstore, man, you're a
3: busy what, man. What was the award? You know
6: right? what? Uh, the, the, the award was the Harvey G. Falls. Okay, okay. And it's, it's you know a sports humanitarian, and, and I think they were recognizing you know the work that we've been doing in California for about thirty years.
2: Now. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that.
6: Well, you know, I. I you know, <laughs>
2: You probably weren't (laughs) born, but uh, hey, I'll be 31 (laughs) in November. I was, I was. So just talk (laughs) to me. uh, I lost a
6: dear uh, friend and a brother from Notre Dame, and and we were close uh, out in California. Stacy Turan, and uh, at that time, I was actually the advocate for Governor Cuomo and for uh, for Nancy Reagan for her "Just Say No." Governor Cuomo's athletes against drunk driving and drug prevention, and now my best friend dies in a drunk driving accident. So. Uh, Governor Cuomo sent the team out to California. I'd just been traded out there, and we created Athletes for Life, and it started out as the anti-drunk driving and drug prevention. And from those years of of going out and speaking to schools and getting kids to understand the importance of of making good decisions, we've become an educator, we've become a mentoring organization, after-school education, working with over 2,000 kids a year, and and, and we have a life-skill camp that, you know, most people see it as a football camp. We see it as a life-skills because... Uh, we spent about, mm, about 11 hours on the field. We spent about 13 to 14 hours with mentors and life-skilled coaches that are teaching these kids the importance of their education, their math, their English, writing. And then in the evenings, we'll have the, uh, the police force, sheriffs, better relationship with the badge. Uh, proper nutrition, so it's evolved into a, just a full-service mentoring organization. I've got over probably about fifty guys from the wow. National Football That's League great. who give of their time, and of course, I pay. Uh, I, we, we don't nothing is ever for free, right? But the, the most important part is that the community puts up about $300,000 a wow. year for these kids in San Bernardino, California. And we're starting to expand it, looking into Sacramento, the Orange County, actually looking at doing something in L.A. now that we've got two teams in Los Angeles. So I've been doing this program in the, in California now for oof, 28 years. Wow. And uh, it's been a part of my life. It's been a part of my my, my deep soul, because I tell a lot of people, I thought my life goal was to be a football player and and, and and that celebrity, but my real goal was to be a mentor. That was what God led me to. And I've been one since I was 17 years old when I was here in South Bend. And, and, and how,
2: did, how did your playing career, you know, kind of prepare you for that?
6: You know, it really wasn't the playing career. When I came to Notre Dame, I, I met a family, uh, 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 Bill and Carol Creaser. He was a doctor over at Memorial. And they had a a young lady who was a beautiful soul, but she had lost the use of her limbs. And I used to read the Smurfs to her. But it wasn't the reading of the Smurfs to her. It was just the time I spent with Mm -hmm. her that was most important. That somebody outside of her family, outside of the workers that were there, just took the time to sit and talk with Lizzie. And she was a special person to me in my life. The Creaser family, you know, when I think about the people who were uh, instrumental in shaping Greg Bell, you know, I, I think of the Creaser family. I, I, I think of, you know, C.T. Williams. I think of the families that took me in when I was here in South Bend and made me a part of their family, and I love them for that.
3: This is WSPT's game day show from the porch of the Ivy Court, and we're talking with former Nordane Dame Fighting Irish and NFL pro running back uh, Greg Bell. So life skills, I mean, you just said that so eloquently, and we hear that more and more about, you know, it's a 40-year deal when you come to Notre, Notre Dame. So those life skills were set by what Notre Dame
6: helped provide you to in the local community? Without a doubt. You know, uh, one of my best friends, I would say, and then a lot of people didn't know, I mean, you know, part of my, I tell people all the time, I was one phone call away from anyone in the world. Well, that one phone call was, you know, th- uh, Father Joyce. Yeah. If I could call Father <laughs> Joyce, he would pick up the phone and tell me, wait five minutes. And then somebody that I was asking to speak to would call me. And so I always boasted about that. Man, when, when I lost him, it was a big loss for me. But more importantly, it was just somebody that I could always go to. You know, when I was here, I would talk to him all the time. And, you know, he will always tell people out oh, there, he's one of my favorite athletes. I was probably a favorite of him. That's because I, I think with any priest, it's just sharing time with him. And, and, and sharing your life and, and seeing the things that you're going through. I mean, I talked to Father Joyce all the time, and and he was one of those guys who was a mentor for me. Uh, guy, I just joked, you know, Digger laughs about it, but. I, I was su- I was probably more close with Digger Phelps when I was here than some of the basketball players. <laughs> I mean, Digger would give me the keys to the office. I'd go throw my feet up, be watching TV. and I would get mad, he's like, "What are you doing in that office?" You know. And it was just it was those kind of special relationships. To Joe Pianis, I had a guy who recruited me here, who was like you know a big brother and just a great person. That was Coach Jake Jim Johnson, mm-hmm. and, and and then I had Greg Blosh. I had so many guys that mentored me in line. And it wasn't just about football. They were telling me, you know, don't be that knucklehead that, you you know, you're getting in trouble, you know, when you leave out of here, straighten up, do these things right. And, And sometimes it just takes someone that you feel comfortable with. I tell people all the time, my son, I could tell him, do this, do this. And he knows I know what I'm telling him is right. But he'll listen to that other person that's a coach, for whatever the reason that mattered. But that's how it was as well for myself. And, you know, just the life skills I learned and the mentors I had when I was here at Notre Dame, you know, you don't have mentors in the National Football League. You just got teammates. The coaches are doing their own world because they spend so much time there. You know, you, you, at that point in time, you got to be an adult. And I was an adult by the time I got to Buffalo. I didn't have to worry about becoming an adult. I had mentors who showed me the way to be a, a good a good adult.
2: I'm interested, um, if, if you're familiar with what Coach Kelly did this last offseason, you, you talk about mentorship, um, leadership, mm-hmm. developing some of these skills. Um, what he thought was something that had lacked on the team a year ago and that could have been leading up for a couple of years was a lack of leadership across mm-hmm. uh, from top to bottom. You had guys who were the captains who were – an assumed leadership or mentorship type of roles, but there wasn't a trickle-down effect. And what they did this off-season was they put together what they called SWAT teams. So there were um, groups of eight, and there was a leader of each of those groups of eight. And then they would work together in small groups and... Mentor, lead each each other. Um, It didn't even necessarily need to be about football. Right. But then they'd have those eight guys would go and report back to another group of leaders Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth up to the top.
6: You know, that sounds interesting. You know, the thing about a leader, uh, and I think probably football is probably the the worst pick of leaders because we we consider leaders is by age. You know, think about it. When you came here, your seniors were captains. Why? You know, and I love nowadays when I look at the National Football League, captains sometimes are the, you know, it might it's the quarterback. Because be honest about it, who is supposed to be the leader when you're on offense? The quarterback. And when you can find a guy like that, and I, and I don't want to point fingers at different teams, but you can see the teams whose quarterbacks are struggling because they got a very average leader. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a great leader like a Tom Brady, uh, you know, like Aaron Rodgers, you know who to come to. The, I, I'll tell you what. When I was in Buffalo, and Jim could drive you nuts. And me and Jim actually shared a home while we were building a home. But the one thing I always knew in Jim is he knew everything that he was calling on that field. He studied more than anyone. And that's what a leader is really supposed to be, the guy you go to for answers. Not just for camaraderie. Not the guy that, oh, he's the nicest person. Jim can be a true day's aho. <laughs> I'm just telling you, he curse you out as best as anybody else would, kick you off. But in the end of the day, I knew if I went to battle with him, he's gonna put the ball where I needed to be, and that's where you were looking for in a leader. So I'm not sure how the SWAT program worked with uh, with the with the guys here. It's really about who is is prepared the best because the leader is a guy you go to for answers a lot of the times, not for emotional boost. If you needed an emotional boost. You're not supposed to be playing this game because your love ain't there. Because my passion gave me enough. Yeah. Trust me, my passion for this game gave me all the motivation I needed. But sometimes I needed somebody to make sure I was in the right spot. Greg, make sure you catch. You know, get this. Look over your back shoulder before. Those are the things that are more important to this game when you play in a running back position. Because guess what? He needs me to protect that backside for him as well. And that's about communication.
3: Evan and Tim continuing our Notre Dame conversation outside the Ivy Cork Inn with former running back and author of Athletic Wisdom for Students, Greg Bell. Greg, is what you've been talking about, is that what your book is about?
6: Yes, it's, it's, it's about all of that. You know, we've been doing this program, like I said, for uh, we've been in Southern California for 27 years, going on 28, coming up this, this next year. And part of what we tried to do and what my consultants basically said, that, why don't you put what you've been doing in, in writing so you can share it with more than the kids here in Southern California. So what you see is a book that talks about the thing, we, what we call the PASS program. Passion, attitude, sacrifice equals success. And the beauty about that, and I told people on Wednesday, is that because I was in that role of being in Los Angeles, I got to meet probably one of the greatest mentors we all know and that was John Wood. And I got the time to spend with him. I used to sponsor his basketball Mm -hmm. tournament for the youth. And John used to always talk to me about the mentor he had, which at first was his father and a lot of the coaches along the way and how, you know, we share a common goal about being mentors for these kids. And the thing that I try and make sure that these kids understand is that without a passion, you can't dream. You don't see where – got to know where you're going. you got to have a vision, and that's your roadmap, that dream. And with the attitude – You know, it's it's pretty obvious. A positive attitude gets you a positive result. A negative one will definitely give you a negative one. And when we get to the sacrifice in anything in life, I don't care what it is, it it could be to be a radio broadcaster, the work that you got to put in. There's always a sacrifice. And as John always put in his stamp was success. Is basically a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing that you did the best to be the best that you are capable of being. Not that Evan's going to be the best that Greg Bell wants him to be. It's what God has in his plan that was best for you. And that's really the whole goal of the PASS program, to teach these kids that everyone can be successful. It's just what success is to you. And it's not about money. It's not about honors. It's not about awards. You know, I tell kids all the time, for for my life, I've been the most successful person I know. I've never worked a day in my life because everything I've done since the day I left Notre Dame has been my passion. That's my success. I've been able to live the dreams that I wanted to live. And it has nothing to do with money or possessions. And it's not about, you know, the honors that, you know, we want to gather this is the first time I've ever been acknowledged for you know the 30 years that I've been doing humanitarian work, as I call it. It's not humanitarian work. I'm doing God's work that He put me in position to do. You'll be signing at other games. You know what? I, I know for sure. I'm going to sign definitely at USC because everybody's. Know, if you look on the front of the book, <laughs> it's got a picture of me in my Rams uniform. You know? Ah, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, of course, when Los Angeles is here, I'll be here for sure. But we're just looking into it. It's the first time I've ever really gone out to sign because. Typically, I go in and speak at schools, and we just give the books to the kids when I'm at the school. And that uh, the book is a, it's a 12.95 book. It wasn't about making money with the book; it's about really just getting that message that we've been delivering for over 30 years that you know, through the PASS program, we can all be successful in whatever that success is for you. But it's Where,
3: available at the bookstore. Yeah. Where that, can people yeah,
6: find it's, it? It's available right at the bookstore here. You can get the Kindle version online after February. You'll be, and, and you can also go to athletesforlife.org to get a copy of it. And, of course, I did a self-publishing, and, you know, like anything, sometimes you and the publisher don't see eye to eye, but... After the first of the year, of course, you'll be able to publish. You'll be able to buy it anywhere, but right now you can buy it on Athletes for Life. You actually just make a donation to Athletes for Life, and we send you a copy of it.
3: Kendall, that's a good. That's how quarterbacks learn. Don't quarterbacks learn by uh, that kind of stuff? I thought they
6: learned by Apple. <laughs> oh, okay. The Apple, the, the tablet. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big technology guy, <laughs> so I stick with what I do. I put a hard copy and I flip through pages. <laughs> this is how we work. He, he has. I've, I've got all these paper notes. Here. I, I Different did, generations. Did, did, did. Different I generations. Hey, I got a little <laughs> bit of both. Okay. okay. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I tell you what. It, it, the technology world is so is out there for these young kids, and it's it's, it's it's important that they understand what the options are out there. Take advantage. Whatever you have a passion for, don't let anyone steal it. Don't let anybody steal your dream. And if they live and and, and think about that opportunity. They're going to be successful.
2: Well, Greg, before we let you go, mm-hmm. big win last week for Notre Dame. Three guys rushed for over 100 yards. Notre Dame's got some very terrible tomorrow. What, what do you think? What, do you, what are you thinking for tonight? You what know you,
0: what? what?
6: You I, I told people I thought it was going to be a 28 14 game. I, I think it's really all about the defenses today. Whose defense is real and whose is. Uh, You know, who was playing a a, a Patsy last week, you know? Uh, I'm not talking negatively about Temple, but I saw a team that was prepared from our standpoint. See, when you're not prepared and you play a team like Temple, Temple upsets you, right? Mm -hmm. Or even gets close to beating you like a couple teams happened last week. Not to mention the Trojans, but I just thought I throw that out there. <laughs> they weren't prepared. I think Kelly had the kids prepared last week, and they and they and they they executed the game plan. Let's see how prepared they are. Now we'll see what kind of team we have because I think Georgia runs the ball very efficiently. Not they, Georgia's never passed the ball well, but they can throw the ball when it's needed.
2: Well, Greg, we appreciate you taking some time today. Enjoy your tailgating experience, and uh, we'll see if the Irish get a victory tonight. I appreciate it, guys. Take care. Thanks a lot,
3: Greg. This is game day. We are in part brought to you by Budweiser United Beverages, Carmelo's at McCree's, Creative Colors International, Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Hearth and Home. On your home for Notre Dame football, this is WSBT's game day show on a beautiful fall day outside the Ivy Court Inn Suites. We'll be right back.
2: The Game Day Show with Evan Sharpley is brought to you in part by Legacy Heating and Air, Kurt Outdoor Living, LKQ Pick Your Part, and Zolman's Tyron Auto. You are listening to your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM, WSBT. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, along with Tim Grau. We are live on the front porch here at Ivy Court in its suites. A beautiful day. Beautiful day. Awesome day for football. We've got lots of food right now, Fisher's Tips and Chips Barbecue. We just got talk, done talking with Greg Bell, and we had a few uh, few players from the 1971 team that was coached by Era Parsegian. Great stories there, and... We're, we're just continuing with this, Tim. We're getting closer to kickoff. Kickoff 730 tonight under the lights in the newly renovated Notre Dame Stadium. Man, that, that jumbotron is, uh, or sorry, video board. That video board is something special, isn't it?
3: Yeah, you know, I uh, <laughs> got to go out there the first time. I don't go to very many games or whatever. and got to take my two youngest daughters to their first game, and that was just unbelievable, The uh, that, that board. I had a guy in front of me about, we had a pretty decent seats, so but had a guy in front of me, I swear he was just watching the whole I caught, People, myself, I, I caught myself doing that oh too in the press box. Well, then I won't say what I was thinking to myself about that you're guy like, watching. Going, no, <laughs> come on, use that for the replays. It was nice, you know, to uh, not only get the replays, but then when you're down at concessions, used to be you would hear the sound and you go, "Oh man, somebody yeah. must to be able to watch the game down in, on site." So all their improvements have been unbelievable.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think they did a great job with the stadium. Of, you know, there's always the conversation of you don't want to lose uh, the history and the tradition. I thought they did a pretty good job of. Trying to um, keep that, but also update in some areas that were certainly, certainly needed. Right.
3: Oh, absolutely. And you, I mean, you playing in there and stuff. I mean, you've been oh, I'm into trying all to the get th- more eligibility, so I can play in that
2: stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that, they'll take me? What position would I have did to play? Did you now? did you
3: find um, being up in the press box? Could you tell? I, I really couldn't because I've been there very often. The sound. Was it any no, noisier? I, I,
2: I could tell. I actually had quite a few people ask me that if it was louder. I don't know. I'm really, I th- I'm really interested tonight to have a to get a feel. Um, and I know we've talked about this a little bit already. You know, twenty to thirty thousand Georgia Bulldog fans. I don't know if that number's high. I've, I've heard that as kind of a rumor right now. Um, if if there are, I think it's I think it could be a pretty loud atmosphere. Well,
3: it was kind of embarrassing. I remember back, uh, I think it was 17 years ago, the Nebraska game when that's, half, yeah. the, half the stadium was red. When look, you know, there so could
2: be a lot of red tonight. There's going to be at least. 10
3: to 15,000. You could be right on the 20 or 30. I sure hope it's more down like the 15 or 18,000, but they've they've rented places all over and uh, you know what? I give Notre Dame and Jack Swarbrick credit bringing a opponent on like this, and early in the year, playing an SE team, you know, this won't be the end-all of our season, but uh, to gauge, but it's a good way to gauge where you're at.
2: Well, yeah, it, it's, I, I still think it's a must-win, though. I mean, when you're not in a conference, you know, it's, it, it'll look, if, if it is a loss, sure, certainly, I don't think, it like you said, it'll make or break, but it it hurt, it still hurts. Sure. Um, you know, when you're not playing in a conference, you don't have your conference championship to kind of fall back on, You know, you see a lot of, you know, Alabama's been doing it recently. A couple of other Big Ten teams are doing it where you're seeing in week one or week two a marquee matchup um, between, you know, Big Ten, SEC, um, one of their top-ranked teams. And then, you know, then they go back kind of on there. We're going to play a couple of lower-tiered schools to rack up a few wins, Um, but, They're okay with that loss early in the year. Maybe a one loss and then they go through their conference and then if you end up winning the conference championship, you can still make the college playoff with one or two losses because it's a quality loss. Now, with Notre Dame, it it might look like a quality loss, but it's still a loss. You can't say, well, we had a quality loss in week two and we won our conference championship. Right. Um, but, you know, and if you look at how Notre Dame's schedule plays out right now, if they do happen to win this, I, I don't think there's any reason why they can't be going undefeated into USC. And USC has a big game against Stanford. You know, you know who, who knows? Stanford's a really good team, too. Right. And then to finish the season, you know, you're, you're seeing Notre Dame play USC, NC State. You've got Wake Forest in there, Miami. You've got Navy in there. And then you finish against Stanford. That's quite a road. I yeah,
3: I think you're right. This is a confident if they would win this game, then their confidence just, I just goes way it up a
2: barometer game. We're going to sure. get a, we're going to get a real a real <clears throat> feel win or lose. We're going to get a real feel for how this team is going to compete for 12 regular season games this year.
3: Right. Hey, a couple over/unders real quick before we go to our last break here. So, for Georgia, five plays above 20 yards. Five plays above 20 yards. Under. Notre Dame, five plays above 20 yards. Above. Georgia, 163 rushing yards. How many? 163 rushing yards. Above. Notre Dame, 163 rushing yards. Below. Oh. Um... Field goals over 48 yards. Georgia. (laughs) Below for both teams on that (laughs) one. Does that scare you last week about, you know, Justin missing Uh, two? Because in a crucial game like this, Kelly didn't seem to be worried, but what's he going to say, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going
2: to say, man, I'm worried about my kicker's (laughs) mental stability right now. You're not going to go on air and say that. (laughs) I'd say my Um, quarterback's
3: stability. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, you're going to talk your guys up as much as you can. You you know, he, you know, Justin is going to have to bounce back this week. Kind of how, I see it playing out. I think it's going to be a close game. I know I see this open in the show. You know, I think it could come down to a special teams um, play. Um, You know, you you would hope that in a game like this, it's pretty clean on both sides where it's not a mistake. Um, You know, whether it's, you know, a punt return or a kick return or a field goal late. Um, I'm kind of looking – I'm looking in that area right now and then also looking at turnovers Mm -hmm. um, as the two areas where this game is going to be Mm -hmm. won or lost because – Really the, the questions that you asked there you know I easily could have said I easily could have said above or below the same for both teams. Right. If you look at if you look at Georgia's defensive line they've got some good talent. I like their front seven a lot. But at the same time I mean Notre Dame has two guys that could potentially be drafted in the first round next year on their offensive line. And it's not like their center and right right guard are inexperienced either. The one question mark on that offensive line right now and it came to fruition a little bit in week 1. You have a first-year starter in Tommy Kramer and a true freshman in Robert Hainsey playing right tackle. You better believe that Georgia is going to try to expose that area and that aspect early. But then if you go to the other side, there are some question marks and in talking with some of the guys on the Georgia beat, there's not not a... There's not the same level of confidence on the offensive line that I would say the Notre Dame fan ha- Notre Dame's fa- fans have for their offensive line as a whole. There's there's some questions there, but you have two really good running backs. But you could say that about Notre Dame's offense right. then as well. So. Um, if if that is a wash if we take out the running games for both and we say it's a wash they either are very successful um, or let's say that you know both defenses are able to stop it could come down to quarterback play and then also a late a late field goal and if somebody turns the ball over.
3: Punning. We're second in the country
2: in net punting right now, right? He was my MVP in the spring game two yeah, years ago, so I think some, some field <laughs> I position might work out. I don't know if that you know that didn't bode well, obviously going to the 2016 season when we, right. when the punter was uh, was <laughs> the MVP. But anyways, we're in 2017 now.
3: Fisher's Tips and Chips is right here giving out some free barbecue. Check out their new location next to the State Line Dairy Queen in Niles. Free food for the first 150 fans, as we always do. We drop that down over under. It'll be under because Evan eats more than the, some <laughs> of that, so we got to drop that down. The first 100 fans that get <laughs> here, maybe, or something like that. All right. We'll be back on game day on the Ivy Court Inn. <laughs> if you want to get a reservation or book your own getaway, call Ivy Court at 574-277-6500. We'll be right back.
2: Welcome back to the Game Day Show. I'm your host, Evan Sharpley, with Tim Grau, and you're home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM. WSBT. The time is 3:56 right now. Kickoff is 7:42 or 3 somewhere well, somewhere do. somewhere know what in that area. Do with those extra minutes, but the countdown to kickoff has started. We're, we're, we're ready. Look at all the fans. Atmosphere is fantastic. Look, Look at the so band. Look at the band over there. there. The They're sitting
3: there. Ready. Not yet. Not yet. They're looking one thumbs up. Not yet. Five minutes or so. <laughs> They're ready to kick it up. So, how about? The keys to an ensuring an Irish victory this week.
2: Okay, so we got we got three ge- three keys, and this is uh, assuming that Notre Dame is going to win, and I'll give my prediction here at the end. But if Notre Dame is going to win, um, I'm gonna initially gonna be looking at, and we just talked about this a little bit um, during the last segment, is um, stopping the run. Uh, Georgia has two really good running backs, and Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. If if they can, st- if Notre Dame can stop the run and they force uh, freshman quarterback Jake Frome, which they're saying Jake Frome State Farm is uh, is kind of his nickname this week. I'm sure you'd <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, if they c- if they can put the game on his shoulders and he has to throw 25 to 30 times a game. I I think the Irish, I think that's going to be a really good position for them Absolutely. Um, defensively. And then on offense, start, start, set the tone on the offensive line. Um, we talked about kind of this uh, backyard brawl type of mentality. Quentin Nelson, awesome at left guard. You've got Mike McGlinchey in there too. Um, if, if Notre Dame can, can push at the offensive line and get Josh Adams, Dexter Williams, Tony Jones Jr., and I, I think Brandon Winbush is going to be a key factor in the run game today, too. If, if that offensive line can set the tone early, um, I think that this offense is going to be able to, to move the ball. I don't think it's going to be as easy as it was last week, but they're going to be able to move the ball. Two few no. less hits on him would be, would be okay with me, too. Yeah, and he's <laughs> going to get better at knowing that. There are only three design runs for him. Right. You know, The other ones, it's a read offense, so you have to take what the defense gives you. Uh, we might see a little more RPO, some, some Run pass types of options, I think today. Um, and then lastly, we just t- we just discussed it went on special teams. There's someone's going to have to make a play um, in that regard. But I know much of the chagrin again of many Irish fans. I said this Friday morning. I said this on uh, the the Sean and Sharpley show yesterday. Right now, as it sits, I'm still kind of in a prove it to me mode. I've got Georgia winning by three, 30 to twenty-seven. All right. If well, it goes over thirty, I like the Irish. Th- it didn't broadcast out there too
3: far, so nobody we didn't, Nobody it. was going on, so we'll I let covered, this. I covered my mic. We'll let this band. Uh, get get started real soon here you enjoy up there too i, I won't try to t- text you too much during the game i know when i get mad or upset i text you up in the booth and stuff too so this has been game day with evan sharply we want to thank our uh, guests walt patolsky bill gallagher and jack Clority from the 1971 team and uh, pro bowler and uh former Notre Dame quarterback greg bell thanks to jessica and the great staff here at the ivy court Inn. thanks rob for the delicious fishers barbecue Shout out to our studio board operator, Matt, back in the studio that keeps this show going on, and our on-site engineer Jeremy. Join us with your coffee next week. Oh, yeah. oh, I'll have to wake my partner up because we are on oh, at away. 8 a.m. for the pregame show. WSBT's Fighting Irish Sports coverage continues right after the news. It's there and Sean and Eric with their analysis and previewing today's game on Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat. Immediately following them, it will be the official Notre Dame pregame show. Then it's kickoff. With Don Crickey and Alan Pika with the call. We complete our football coverage after the after the game with the official post-game show with Darren Pritchett and Reggie Brooks. All this on your home for Fighting Irish football. 96-1 WSBT. for Evan Sharpley. This is Tim Growl. Go, Go Irish. I